0: Hi, everybody. Welcome back to our podcast, We Go For It. We're sharing stories and observations for the boldly aspiring. That's you, that's me, that's a lot of us out there. Now, this podcast is brought to you by Norman and Advancing Life Projects. Let us help you advance your life projects. Thanks for joining us on our 365-day Best Wishes for You series. This is episode 73. And we're going to diverge a bit from our usual wish for the day for a story of the day. A story which brings to life several cherished principles of success and fulfillment that you might enjoy. However, in the spirit of a beautiful thought for you that relates to what we're going to be talking about, what our story is about, allow me to quote Thomas Carlyle, who said, Go as far as you can see. When you get there, you'll see how to go further. Now, I came across an article in the weekend edition of the Financial Times several years ago, and it caught my eye. I thought it was pretty good, so I cut it out, and I stashed it away for years and years. (laughs) Literally years and years, been sitting there. Now, I came across it the other day, and it's multiple messages that compelled me to share it with you. And it's an article entitled A Riveting Experience. A Riveting Experience. And it is about a gentleman named Colin Goodwin. He's a real person. It's a real story. He's a freelance motoring journalist, and he's written for uh, major UK publications such as Car, Car, an auto car, and he has his own column in the ladder, okay? Now, in a nutshell, what makes makes this story so interesting? What, What is it about Colin Goodwin, this author? Well, in a nutshell, he decided to assemble his own kit plane. Now, a kit plane is not a model plane. A kit plane is a real plane that a real person gets into and flies. So they have these kids. He, he precisely, he he made, he made put together the, the RV-7. It is a home-built airplane uh, produced by Vans Aircraft. Okay? So he decided that he wanted to become a pilot. He wanted to build his own airplane. Part of it was in tribute to his dad, who had been a pilot in World War II. Okay? And... In talking about the project, he said, you know, given my my father's past, given my love of flying, this was inevitable. It was inevitable that this was going to happen. Now, we, we are now hit with our first really important word, which is the idea of inevitability. This knowing that it's going to happen, this strong, almost Magical sense of expectation. And I ask myself, and I ask you to think about it what is it like to know that something we desire is inevitable? Now, when we talk about his story, there were quite a few obstacles. Apparently, the obstacles between him and what he wanted were immense and formidable. And here are some of the, the biggest ones that he had to face. He had modest, and sporadic funding. He didn't have a lot of money up front when he started building this plane. In the end, it was going to cost him about 50,000 UK pounds. He had no accommodating space where he could build his plane. He lived in a small house with his wife and they had a very tiny garden out back. It was a small place to build an airplane in. He had absolutely no engineering experience or any related degrees. He was not a builder by trade. And to top it off, it took Mr. Goodwin a number of years to get his pilot's license because he did not know how to fly. (laughs) So in the end, with everything included, it took him five years to complete. Five years! to, to From the first rivet there were eleven thousand rivets to use to assemble this thing from there to the end to when he finally flew. It took him five years. Now that's a pretty long time. And it's interesting because it reminded me immediately when I read that of a story by the great John Canary where he was talking with a gentleman about his goals and his objectives. And the gentleman uh, approached him or was talking with him and said, well, you know, this sounds really good. I am really excited about this goal and everything else. But you do know, John, I'm 52. And by the time I reach this goal, I'll be 57. And John Canary answered him, well, how old will you be if you don't reach this goal? It's that kind of silly logic that we have where, you know, we say, yeah, but I'll be this old when, when I get it. Yeah, but you you're still going to be this old if you don't get it it has nothing to do with it what matters is do you want it badly enough do you have some compelling reasons and are you going to see it through so let's kind of talk about what he did and let's we might be able to use it as a template where you know where funding was concerned he had to make it up as he went along one piece at a time, depending on how much money he could spend. You see, it, when you when you put together one of these kit planes, you can you'll do it piece by piece. You know, I don't know uh, the, the wing or the, the I don't know about building planes part by part. You can assemble this thing. So that was useful because he was able to purchase the parts. As he had the money to do it, I think at the very beginning, he had like a thousand pounds on him that he could spend. And so he did. He got a part that he could start putting together right away and he got going. He just got going, get moving. He couldn't see the end at all. He couldn't see what the end would be, but he knew what he could do today. Regarding space, as I said before, his garden was really, really small. And so, you know, he had to assemble each part of the plane. Now, what did he do? Well, he had no, he had very little space in the backyard. So he made a deal with his wife that the shed, they would eventually turn into like a little summer, a summer room for her once he finished. So he was able to use this little tiny shed out back, but they had to get the parts, the part, the piece that he was going to assemble. They had to get it through the front door of the house, through the house into the backyard. And what they did then was that when the box would arrive, with the parts, he would open up the box and take out all the parts on the street in front of the house and then bring it into the house and then to the backyard. (laughs) Okay. Now, once the target part was assembled, it wouldn't fit back through the house because it was too big, obviously. So each completed section of the plane had to be hauled, winched, picked up and hauled across five neighbors' backyards to get out to a main street, okay? And from there, he would take that part to a nearby hangar where a friend of his had space, and he would lay that piece there, and that was where the final plane was going to be assembled, okay? And he only worked on his plane during the week after work. He was very disciplined. He said, okay, I'm, do- I'm going to work on this during the week after work. I'm not doing it, doing it at the weekend. Cause I'm not going to, I don't want to ruin my relationship with my wife. So he did it. He found pockets of time and rivet by rivet. And actually, as I said before, we're talking about 11,000 rivets that he had to put in himself. And the first 10 were total, were a total loss. He, they were a mess. And so he thought to himself, oh, my God, this is not going to work. That was actually the moment of, of truth. That was probably, according to him, the moment where he could have just given it all up. He was like, oh, my God, I got 11,000 rivets to go, and the first 10 are horrible. It turned out that it was a problem with the tool and not really him. And it just reminded me that most of our beautiful and compelling projects are actually stillborn, and it's up to us to breathe life into them and to keep them alive. We have to do it ourselves because no one else is going to do it. So when when he had pockets of time, he worked on the plane. When he had the money, he assembled the select parts, nothing more and nothing less. And he just worked on it consistently. He messily moved forward. And one thing that was very important is that he did not fall into the trap of looking at the whole plane and thinking, Oh God, I have to assemble an entire plane. No, he focused solely on the section of the plane. He was assembling at any given time, focusing that way. He wouldn't get too intimidated. So it, I, I find it one of the, I, when I, when I reread this story, I, I, I fell in love with it again because that is so symbolic of all of our big goals. You know, nobody really knows how to reach a goal until they've reached it. If you know how to reach a goal, that's not a goal, that's an activity. So when we're talking about boldly aspiring, you're aspiring to something you haven't done before, something that's new, but that you have to have. And so this story really puts it all into a nutshell. It's a great template For almost any project, get going, make it up as you go along, be flexible, find solutions, ask good questions, and in the spirit of the great Thomas Carlyle, go as far as you can see, and when you get there, you'll see how you can go further. Until next time, take care, be kind to yourselves and each other, and remember that ultimately, you hold the key thanks for your time